Pegasus Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Martin Garcia and Darian Clark. All right, it's another edition of the show, and it is another guest in our series of this show on the Red Pegasus Podcast. Today, we are joined by Brandon Hadley. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, Brandon and I go way back. Like, way, way back. A long time. Like a long, long time. We grew up at church together. Yep. Marsh Lane Baptist Church. Got to drop it. Got to do it. Um, and we've just, through the grace of God, we've been able to carry on this relationship throughout all these years. And um, I, he has an incredible story, which we're going to get into here in a bit. And enough about me talking about Brandon. Let's go ahead and introduce him in here and welcome him to the show. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, me and, me and Darren go way back. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's probably pushing 20 years, maybe, yeah, roughly that now, because yeah. uh, my, my grandpa is the pastor of that church, and he started being the pastor, I think, 99 or 2000, and yeah. we went like right around that same time. Yeah. So it's a long time. Maybe just over 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, days in children's church and youth group and all <laughs> that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So many fun times, but also some crazy times and things For like sure. that. But yeah, no, it's, it's great to have lasting friendships that kind of yeah go past just like the superficial thing. Like cause right. I have friends from high school and junior high that yeah. is kind of the same length, but you know, you don't keep in touch. You don't stay in contact with them as much. So right. it's been awesome to see your family grow now yeah. with, with kids, which is awesome. <laughs> and unreal. Um, all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and there's always special ones whenever, like no matter the distance of when you last saw them, it feels like nothing changed, you know, definitely. you can just mm-hmm. pick up where you're right, yeah, where you yeah, left yeah. off. So definitely one of those with, uh, that I have with Brandon. So thanks again, not only for your friendship, but coming onto the show and, and just taking the time to chat with us. Definitely. Before we get into anything though, I had to bring <laughs> up this story. So we were very, like we, were, we like we said, we were very involved with youth ministry. Yeah. Grew up in the church together. My buddy here, Martin, who I do the show with. Okay. Came to an all-nighter one night, one time with me. <laughs> I think I know already where you're going, but I want to see if, you're, if I'm right here. And if I remember correctly, again, we were in high school. We were playing that famous game of Never Have I Ever with, yeah. the, with the chairs in a big yep. circle. Yep. And, and they were not the best chairs to play no, that game. No, they were okay, not. You, you know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> I do. And I think it was Brandon who hip-checked Martin straight into a chair and Martin busts his head open yes. on one of the metal oh, legs no. of a chair. Yep. Yep. No. <laughs> yep. Oh, that Martin, is Martin so right sorry. here. All good. All good. All good. All good. We're picking back up like, what was that, 12, 13 years ago? Yeah, that was so wild. It was one wow. of the, well, because like staying over at Darian's, you know, it's his parents were always like, if you guys are staying over, you guys are coming to church with us the next day. Yep. So yep. it was like, you know what? All right, then that's what we're doing. <laughs> So I got to hang out with a lot of you guys at the church. Obviously, yeah. not as not as uh, long as Darian has, but I remember those all nighters, man. Those were so fun to oh, just blast. like, I mean, dodgeball, hide and seek with all the lights off. It was crazy <laughs> until I got hip checked and uh, busted my head open, and that was uh, that was a different moment. I'm just playing. Uh, yeah, no, those games were intense. They, not were. Gonna they were very they, intense, like way too intense for kids. Seriously. And, like I was when we were in youth group, we had way more boys than girls. Yeah, mm-hmm. way more boys than girls. Yeah, until like a lot of people left, and then it was just me and a bunch of girls, which was, you know, you think was great, but it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like when we were in junior high and early high school, it was all just guys, 
And so games got really rowdy. Yeah. And that was one that always was crazy. No matter who was playing, like girls got way too involved. The guys got way too involved. The adults that helped out got way too involved. (laughs) Like it was just a crazy time, but no, that's. I'm sorry again. All good. It's crazy all good. That it's been that long of a time gap. <laughs> I know. But I knew exactly where you were going as soon as you brought that up. I was. I was waiting to see like when y'all kind of shook hands there at the when we first yeah. saw each other. Like if you remembered that, but I don't know if it clicked yet. Not. No. Really, but as soon as you started talking about the story, I knew exactly where you were going. Right. Yeah. Away. I purposely say that for the show because I want to see your reaction. So that's awesome, man. <laughs> it was so good. Was totally. Good, hey, listen. All part of the game doesn't. You know, it doesn't matter. Everything. I'm here today. Hey, so, hey, yeah, you know, that's all all good and all in the fun of the game. I would like to say, like, that was the only injury that happened yeah, in that right. upper room, but dude, many more <laughs> happened after you, yeah. and including someone I was the youth pastor at that church. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, like, not like major, but like okay. kids would get hurt playing those type of games. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, all right, we're going to play games. We're going to have fun. <laughs> and I was getting competitive. Like, me and Brady, so Brady was helping out with me, my cousin. Oh, yeah. And, me and him were like egging the kids on to do like to be more involved, like have more fun with it. Yeah. And so like kids were getting like rug burns and uh, yeah. like bleeding all over the place from that. I'm like, okay, maybe we need to calm it down a little bit. <laughs> or we had like Nerf Wars. Yeah, dude. And we used the little yellow balls because those are way easier to clean up. Yeah. And so kids are getting pelted in the head nonstop <laughs> with these things. So yeah, you weren't the only one, but that's probably the the worst injury that happened there. For definitely sure. had to take an ER visit for that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean. definitely went to the ER. Uh, parents met me there. I think Scott was came with us just to make sure everything was good. Yeah, uh, right. As a good yeah. adult, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like I, yeah, it was good. It was fun overall. I loved I loved uh, doing the all nights all nighters there. I mean, we we would play dodgeball with like the cushion yes. balls. Yes, but dude, dude, you get hit by those they things. Hurt. It's like dude. yo, we were slinging so, them too, dude. Like. <laughs> He has to speed on him. Oh, yeah. And they're always like, oh, yeah, no headshots. But, like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> right. Like, kids are getting pelted left and right. Like, yeah. We're junior high boys that have just this amount of energy. We want to kill each other oh, with yeah. these things. <laughs> there was a vibe and a power uh, in that room that, oh, yeah. that will always live on no matter who's Can't there. Can't recreate it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, kids for sure, being yeah. kids, man. That's, yeah. that's just what it is. It was fun. Good times. All right. Enough reminiscing about <laughs> yeah, some now good that we times. got that out of the way. <laughs> when we were kids in our prime. Like, no, we're Definitely. all old and working and yeah. boring. Yeah. <laughs> I'd kill to go back to those days. <laughs> right. For sure, man. Oh, man. Had to touch on that. All right, Brandon. Let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Your, you don't have to jump into your story necessarily yeah. yet, but just let, let us know kind of who we're talking to a little bit more here. Yeah, so I'm just recently turned 30 in December. So that was a whole new wave nice. of emotions and yeah, like things to <laughs> comprehend. And um, yeah, so I grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, lived in Arlington most of my life. Um, but lived in Dallas for a couple of years. And like Darian said, we went to church in Dallas. So I was in the northwest part of Dallas, like off of 635 every Sunday from like 10 years old until. Man, really, until about 2018, 2019. So, yeah, so I'm working construction now doing network cabling. Pretty easy gig, nothing crazy. Uh, before that, I was a youth pastor, and I'll dive into that more mm-hmm. um, and kind of how that whole journey happened and then, you know, why I left ministry and things like that. But, yeah, pretty pretty chill. I have uh, three nieces. They nice. are a blast. Yeah. Um, one of them keeps me on my toes way too much. So, <laughs> luckily... I mean, not luckily, but she does live in Oklahoma, so I only have to 
deal with her every once in a while. Oh, yeah. But when she's here and or if I'm up there, it is all hands on deck because <laughs> yeah. she is wild. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of siblings and lots of cousins and just, you know, love my family. And that was one of the great things about our our church that we went to. It was a very family vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to make friends pretty easily and yeah. family friends that have lasted, you know, generations and years on. So, so yeah. Absolutely. So as people know, we are a Dallas-based podcast. What has, I mean, you're born and raised in, in the Dallas area, but yeah. what has drawn, what has always drawn you back here to, to remain here in this city? Man, it's, there's nothing like it, I think, in the country. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Florida for a couple of years for mm-hmm. school, and I love Florida. Like, if I wasn't living in DFW, I'd be near the beach in Florida because it's just awesome. But uh, when I was in West Palm Beach, it's not the same. Like, it's just a different vibe. It's a different... Like you just can't have so many different cultures and different things in a metroplex like you do here. I mean, Fort Worth is completely different from Dallas, and mm-hmm. Arlington is a good mixture of the both. And then you have you know subcities and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I love is that you can really get to anywhere with no problems, other than like traffic on normal sure. places. But like yeah. where I live, you know, I live by. 183, 121, 820, and 30. That can get me anywhere in the metro. <laughs> yeah, access to all the major highways. Yeah, right with no problems whatsoever. And so I think just the accessibility is so nice. Um, and then everything's coming here too. So yeah. like, we don't have to go anywhere. Universal is going to be here in a couple of years, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have major sports yeah. that a lot of cities don't have. We have baseball, basketball, hockey. All of them, yeah. Football. I mean, literally all major sports in a area. So... It's just hard to replace, and it's hard to find something like that anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we we get the mix, we get the best of all the worlds, right? Like yeah. east, west, east coast, and west coast just comes here to the middle. It's like you live in the center of the metroplex, but the metroplex is the center of the country essentially. So yeah, yeah it's just a, a good time to be here, and and like I said, there's everything you need is here. Right? It's, like, it's growing like crazy. Like yeah. I truly, I truly think like in the next five to ten years. The Metroplex could potentially go like all the way down to Waco. Yeah. Like, cause it's just growing Definitely. so much. Like, yeah. Prosper when we were in high school was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally just dirt. Yeah. And it's booming. People are moving out of Prosper because it's getting too big <laughs> yeah, and trying right. to go more north to like Sherman and stuff. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's growing nonstop, which is good, uh, but also can be kind of wild and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. no, it's, it's a great place to live and I love it here. Absolutely, man. Definitely. I have a, a friend who lives up in Prosper that I, uh, we met in college, and we were taking a trip back back to college to go see some friends. And uh, I remember going up to Prosper and being like, huh, it's like pretty dead up here, but like there's some apartment complexes and some businesses moving up here. And then uh, I was currently searching for a home with my wife, and our realtor is up in Prosper. Mm-hmm. So I took another trip back up there just like a couple years from meeting my friend up there. I'm like, wow, so much has changed already in like that short amount of time. It's insane. It's definitely grown. This whole area is, and it's it's scary because it's like, ah, it's going to be one of those big cities again, but it's also nice, you know, because a lot more things are coming to us and a lot more things to do and stuff like that. Definitely. Hopefully Dallas and DFW in general just continues to keep the culture. Yes. Um, I think they've done a pretty good job with like the influx of people from, you know, California, New York, Florida, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever else in the country. Yeah. We've pretty much stayed true to who we are yeah. and not too much has been changed yeah yeah of like okay we want to bring california here or we want to bring florida here like okay you left those places for a reason mm-hmm. because you 
are enticed and drawn to the DFW, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much stayed the same from what I could tell. Yeah, most yeah. of the people that we've met, especially along the journey, just have like embraced it. You yeah, know? not not brought their own ideals or preconceived <laughs> ideas or notions. You know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what did you end up studying at Florida? I don't remember. So I originally went. Uh, I went to Palm Beach Atlantic University, which is a fantastic school if you're looking at trying to go to college or anything like that. Um, especially if you're a guy, it's like a four to one ratio. <laughs> I bet. Girls to guy. It's great. Um, you're right by the beach. But when I went there, I originally studied for math education. Okay. Um, I did that for a year and I failed calculus too <laughs> because it was unreal hard. Like, I bet. They, they're like, if you can get past this, you're good in the program. <laughs> Didn't get past it, so I was going to change my major no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Um, and then my next year that I went back, my sophomore year, I uh, changed the ministry. Okay. So I did uh, student ministry focus, and then I had my education minor because I had taken probably 15 credits worth of education classes already. So they're like, hey, just keep uh-huh. your minor in case you want to teach at a school or something like that later on down the road. Um, and it wasn't going to add anything onto my degree plan. So like I wasn't gonna have to add a semester or anything like that. So they just said, "Hey, keep a minor on there, and it works out that way." So that's what I studied for the first two years, and then I transferred back home. Um, and then when I transferred home, I actually had to drop my minor because it was gonna add on a year and a half. I was mm-hmm. like, "No, I mean, we're not doing this." Yeah, <laughs> I already at, had to add a semester on. I lost almost a semester's worth of credits, like fifteen credits mm-hmm. or so. So I just kept my Bible and student ministry focus. Nice. Okay. So that's what my degree's in. Gotcha. Okay. And I imagine this is a part of your story, so we won't get too much into it. Yeah. You started a podcast yeah. called Wandering in the Wilderness, Yep. which is super cool, by the way. Yeah. Really Dope art. Name. Awesome title. Um, In the first episode, you share your story. Yeah. Which is so cool, so powerful. And just not only do you share it, but you're open about it, which I respect and completely admire because not a lot of people are like that, you know, why, before we get into it, why do you think you're so open about it? And even like going to the distance of starting a podcast about it, man, for the longest time, I wasn't always open or like truly open. Like, cause we all will tell our story, especially like if you grow up in the church and you grow in, in, in ministry, you kind of tell your testimony of kind of where your life's been and all that kind of stuff. So like I was used to that, but I would hide things or like I wasn't being totally honest. Mm. And when I started the podcast, it was after dealing with some very deep depression and, and mental health, which we can touch on that later. But, um, so yeah, that when I was going through counseling, my counselor like encouraged me like, Hey, stop holding back stuff. Like you're in a safe split. You're in a safe pay split pay. Ugh. Safe space. And there's no reason to hide things anymore because once we hide things, it just gets worse and worse in our lives. And so Hmm. while, even though I was in ministry and stuff like that, I still would hide things and, you know, out of fear. And finally, I just got tired of worrying about other people's opinions Hmm. and worrying about the fear of, of judgment of others, because they're going to like me, whether they know me or not, like they have preconceived notions or whatever else I can't change. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop hiding things. And I'm just going to be honest. It may not sit well with everyone. Um, it may make people uncomfortable. But for me, I have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. I have to worry about my thoughts, my feelings, and 
how I perceive myself. And so that's why I just started telling my story more open and honest after I left ministry. Mm. That's great. Um, I admire you as well. Cause I know that is hard. I mean, especially yeah. in a kind of like a machismo environment, you know, mm -hmm. especially for males, you don't yeah. really want to express your feelings because in a way that makes you look weak and in, in some sort. Right. Yeah. So I applaud you for doing that. And I think a lot of people uh, need to start males, females, anybody just needs to start doing that. Yeah. And, um, something that I picked up a couple of years ago was just journaling. I mean, just writing mm -hmm. things down day to day things, whether the day was bad, whether the day was good, yeah. just write it down. Um, cause you're right. Yeah. As soon as you start to bottle up some of that bad stuff, I mean, it might seem like it's gone and it might seem like it's, you know, you're good and you can keep going through mm -hmm. your day and through your week and your life. Um, but it's still there and it's still going to bring you down. And, you know, at one point, you know, something happens in your life where it just like triggers that memory again and it, yes. it's going to come back up. I was literally about to say that. Cause like, there's been multiple times where like, okay, I got past this and then mm. either an, an argument with somebody or like a memory would pop back in my head and it would just come right back to the surface. So like journaling was a big thing I started doing before. Like I started sharing my story more and more often was. At least if I can't have the strength to say it to someone personally, I can write it down. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, like, I had notebooks filled of just like great days and then like really, really bad days um, to the point where like I have some journals that I've like thrown away because I don't want to read them again. Mm. Sometimes I'll go back and just see like how, how have I changed over the years. Yeah. And there was just some really times where I was not in love with myself like I should be mm. and said some things that were not healthy. And at the time, it was great for me to get those out because I was just thinking those things nonstop. Um, and so once I got it out, it kind of helped. But but yeah, journaling was a big thing that helped me kind of, one, establish how do I share more things in a more honest way, and then two, just let it all out and get it out of there. Mm -hmm. So I think this topic is definitely a, a big topic, not only in the past few years, but it should always be really, but yeah. um, why do you think it's come to the surface more now lately rather than, you know, when we were growing up, like it was a lot more bottled up back then. I, I think social media is definitely a part of that. It's yeah. almost an escape. Um, like kids feel like they can share more about themselves in a public manner. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, right? But they have a voice. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, like when we were kids, even in classes, like in school and stuff, yeah, we can say things about our opinions or on this topic, but oftentimes it was like, hey, you know, let's not talk about that or you should really focus on what we're saying here. Mm -hmm. I think just social media has given the freedom to say more things like what we're going through. Yeah. But also I just think people are starting to realize mental health is just way more than bad feelings or sadness. Yeah. And it's... And the numbers are rising dramatically. And mm -hmm. I do think COVID was a major thing that yeah. sparked people to talk about it more. Because, I mean, while the quarantine may have been necessary, however you stand on that, we're <laughs> yeah. not getting into the politics of all that stuff. <laughs> right, right. But um, I think it opened up the eyes of a lot of people like, hey, people are hurting way more than what they want to say. Mm -hmm. And we have a real epidemic when it comes to suicide self-harm, things like that. We got to yeah. figure this out. Yeah. 
I think that's uh, the silver lining with, with COVID. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's working, everyone's moving, everyone's doing something. No one really has uh, time to like sit down and, and reflect on things. And mm-hmm. so when COVID hit, you know, we took those two weeks uh, at the beginning and everyone was like, whoa, all right. So this is what it feels like to just sit down and yep. and kind of reflect. And yeah, you're right. I do have some issues that I need to work out or want to express. So yeah, I think you're right. COVID... As much as it sucked at the beginning, it would definitely uh, give us a silver lining and notice that all of us are in the same boat. Yep. All of us are in the same boat for sure. Yep. Because it's so important, mental health, be- coming to the surface, very important in anybody's life that struggles with it, but not only on the outside, people watching people that struggle with it. When did you realize, and feel free to get in your story now, yeah. however much you want, the floor is yours, but when did you realize you struggled with it or had or dealt with it at all man so like in college and stuff i had weeks or days where i wasn't myself and like my roommates would notice or my friends would notice and like at that time i didn't think anything of it i was like oh i'm just having to you know i'm off that was kind of the term that i often Mm -hmm. use like i'm not myself or i'm off Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until i got into ministry um and man if you know anyone that's in ministry ministry is very lonely like you can like yes you're around people and you're serving people and all that kind of stuff. But oftentimes ministry is very lonely. And so like the summer of 2019 was kind of when I started to realize like, okay, I'm not myself anymore. Like not just like past the days of I'm having an off day or off week or whatever. Like I'm just not me. I'm I'm not enjoying the things I used to enjoy. I'm not having as much fun. And I started realizing, okay, there's something really, really wrong. And it wasn't until um, September that I went to counseling. And counseling for me was, one, one it, was a, it was a lifesaver. Like, I recommend counseling to anybody, not just like if you're in deep depression, but counseling is just a great place to get things off your chest and have a, sp- uh, a place where you feel safe that you can talk about some things. Hmm. Um, but it was there that I realized, man, I had some really deep wounds that I had never healed from, hmm. dating back all the way to like junior high hmm. of people that hurt me that I never forgave myself and I never forgave them. Um, so yeah, there was one, one of my early sessions that I had in counseling cause I was going every week for about four months. And this was while you were still in ministry. Yeah, I was still okay. in ministry. Um, and at that time, like my, my immediate family knew I was going through counseling. Okay. My, my church didn't and my church staff didn't. Um, I just, at that point I was still very raw about it all. And I was very hesitant, so I didn't want to bring a bunch of spotlight into it. But my immediate family knew all about it uh, and was very encouraging. But it was like my second session that I started, that my counselor started asking some very probing questions about like early childhood and, you know, stuff like that. And so there's a lot of things in like junior high that, you know, coaches just abused and not like abused me in, in any kind of way of like that but i played basketball growing up and i had a coach mm-hmm. in eighth grade that was just he he literally played mind tricks and played mind games with me on like he would play me a game um and i was i was pretty good i wasn't great but i was pretty good um enough to where i should be playing quite a bit for junior high and things like that so he'd play me a game maybe maybe a quarter of the game and you know it was okay it's whatever we're pretty good as a team but then he would not play me for four games straight. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting on the bench. And kids who were not very good were playing ahead of me. Um, there was a tournament early on in the season where I didn't play a single minute the entire tournament. We played four games. Wow. Um, and actually, the last game, it was the weekend of Michigan-Ohio State. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not missing that game. Yeah, right. And so my, my dad's like, hey, this is up to you. We can you know leave, go watch the game with family, or you can stay the game. I'm like, I'm not staying. Like, this is not good for me. This coach doesn't like me. And he would take stuff that happened in – basketball into the classroom because he was a teacher too Mm -hmm. so i had him for a class and i didn't realize until counseling how much that damaged me and how much Mm -hmm. it hurt me yeah and once my counselor asked some questions about it i started opening up and man i'm just like bawling because there's a lot of just hurt there and while i do not like the man don't have contact with him once i went to high school and like my junior year, I made varsity and I came back and basically like threw it in his face. <laughs> um, but I didn't keep up with him. Don't plan to. Don't like him. I, I hope that he got better past all that. But I at least forgave him. And more importantly, I forgave myself. Because immediately as a kid, you think you did something wrong. Yeah. You think you're the problem. And you think that you caused all of this judgment and anger towards you because right. you did something wrong. And it was finally in there that I realized, like, okay, I didn't do anything wrong and forgave myself and yeah man counseling was just a huge aspect and something that honestly saved my life hmm. yeah that's cool thank you for sharing that <clears throat> how long were you in ministry i guess how many, how long i mean technically you, you can be in ministry all your life yeah. right but how yeah. long were you in full-time ministry and and where was in that timeline of going to counseling so i was on staff at a church for three and a half years. Um, now I did some like internships and stuff like that in college and, and stuff like and but like where I'm the guy, the youth pastor, paid all that kind of stuff. I started in April of 2016, right after I graduated college. Um, and I didn't start going to counseling until the last four months I was on staff. Okay. Um, I wish I'd have gone sooner. I wish I would have been more open kind of where I was at. Um, but yeah, only the last four months of the three and a half years I was there was I actually seeking help outside of the church. And I went to a Christian counselor and all that kind of stuff. So I was being reinforced and in a loving way. Um, but it was outside of my family because um, yeah. my grandpa was the pastor and my right. uncle was the associate pastor. Yeah, right. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't can't go down the hall and talk about this type of stuff yeah. without like lines being blurred and stuff like that. Right. So just the last four months of that I was on staff. Hmm. Was that an okay like split per se, lack of a better term? And did counseling help you exit from that? Or was it the reason you did, or how did that all end there? So per se, Yeah, when I left, it was as good as it could be. Okay. Um, cause at that point I was very suicidal. Mm. Be totally honest. Yeah. Um, I had some, I had some like suicidal thoughts prior to that, but it wasn't until early November that like I didn't want to be here anymore mm. and didn't tell anyone. And I even hid that from my counselor for a little bit, but he could tell like things weren't right. Mm. And so it was actually in counseling that I realized, okay, I am so empty and dry. I can't be in ministry Hmm. because I'm filling or I'm trying to fill people with an empty cup. 
you can't do it. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, making things worse. And so that's where I realized I needed to leave ministry. And I would say like when I left the church, they obviously they're sad. And I think it was um, as good as it could be just yeah. in, the, in the circumstances. Yeah. And then with family, it makes it harder. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're not just leaving a, a place of work or your church. You're leaving family. And, you know, there's details that, you know, I just won't get into just for, you know, everyone involved type of thing, but it's just, it makes it a lot harder. So it's gotten, things have gotten a lot better since, since I've left. Um, but yeah, it, we left on as best terms we possibly could have, uh, you know, they were very loving and gracious to me. Um, like they paid me for the rest of the year Mm. that left right before Thanksgiving and they paid me while I was gone that's good mm-hmm. uh a lot of churches don't do that right and you know they were they were very gracious in that and they they understood because like it's not healthy for them either they don't want someone that's leading from an empty place yeah mm-hmm. and especially with students who are very vulnerable and need someone that can be there for them fully not just like physically but emotionally spiritually all that kind of stuff and right. i wasn't there yeah um so yeah it got a lot better but it definitely had some rocky moments towards the end. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up a, a point that you made earlier. Uh, you were saying that being in the ministry is, is lonely, even yeah. though you're surrounded by so many people. Uh, can you dive into that and yeah. tell us like why, why it feels like that? Man, with ministry, like as, as a job in a title position, like in student pastor, my role was to deal with students that were from sixth to 12th grade. So that was my my group of people that I every day checked in on, made sure they're doing good. And then, you know, as a staff member, you have responsibility to check in on other people as well. So like my range of people was very wide. But when you're in a, a, a position where they view as authority or a leadership position, that's a better term than authority, leadership position, um, they don't always think to check in on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a single guy, so that makes it harder because normally like in, in ministry, you have your spouse and even though it's not healthy and it's not great, you at least have someone that understands what you're going through behind the scenes mm-hmm. because a Sunday morning service is not the same as the Monday or Tuesday after, after that. Cause you can have a great service. Like you can have people get saved. You can have baptisms. You can have a, a great turnout. Um, but you can still have those Mondays and Tuesdays afterwards that are just not the greatest. And when you're single in ministry and you don't have really a group of people at the church, uh, when I was there, young adults was not a thing. And it really was a a struggle for our church, even growing up. Like Mm -hmm. we never really had from like 19 to 35, like Mm -hmm. that range was not there and they're doing great, better. They're doing a lot better now. Uh, Brady is doing amazing things there and they have a good group of young adults. But when I was there, there wasn't that group of people to check in on me. Mm-hmm. Um, like family would say, Hey, superficial, how you doing? Never was it a, Hey, how are you actually doing? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in ministry, we just, we put people on a platform. We shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing like celebrity quote unquote celebrity pastors falling by the wayside. Yeah by the droves because they've been placed on this pedestal. They think they can do no wrong. 
they have no accountability, they have no one checking in on them, they have no one making sure that they're actually okay, but they can preach a great message, they can say some good words, they can create this environment that makes people feel a certain way, but never see how their Monday through Friday after those services happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was probably why ministry was very lonely. Um, just because you don't have that group of people that check in on you. And part of that is, you know, as pastors, we try to network with other pastors so then we can check in on each other. Like I had a group of student pastors in the area that we would meet probably every couple months. Um, and I was like in Facebook groups and stuff like that, but it's still not the same as like, I'm doing life with this person. They see me weekly. They see me, you know, every other day or whatever it is. Um, and it wasn't until I got this discipleship group that we started at our, at our church. And I had, I was walking through life with, uh, four other guys. And so we, we met weekly at my apartment. We would read, um, a certain passage or a certain book over that week. And we come back and talk about it, but we also would like just do life. We'd go bowling. We would have dinner together. We would say, Hey, where are you struggling? How can we help? And it was really all of us doing that exact same thing. So it wasn't until later on that I found the community to help me. But at that point, the, the effects of burnout were already just starting to show. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one thing when it becomes lonely, you try to do everything by yourself and you try to just give everything you have. And that's where you start beginning to lead out of an empty cup. Mm. And so yeah, that's how ministry can be pretty lonely. Yeah. Do you think it's also um, kind of like a mindset of being in a leadership role where so many people are looking up to you, you've got all the answers or you're supposed to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. can't really show that, that, um, you know, feeling of just being like hey i'm lost too sometimes man (laughs) it that is so accurate because like you said in in a leadership standpoint they look to you maybe not for answers but they they want to see an example for the guidance yeah definitely and so and especially with students they catch on everything and they follow everything Mm. whether they show the signs (laughs) right then and there eventually they pick up on what you do and what you say. And so, well, like when I'm working with students, especially at, there's a stretch where I had mainly sixth, seventh and eighth graders, very um, susceptible to everything around them and very aware of their surroundings and kind of gravitating attached onto those things. So for me, I had to make sure like I was on my best behavior, mm-hmm. you know, not accidentally slip up and say something that I shouldn't have or, yeah. Um, you know, just do something stupid, you know, mm-hmm. not even like really a bad thing, just look dumb and make the church look bad or whatever else. So yeah, you, you really have to, you really think you should have to look perfect on a Sunday. And man, there were some Sundays where I just like, I wanted to come in basketball shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> and, you know, not get dressed or, you know, dress up and not do my hair and just kind of like, look how I feel because sometimes on a Sunday or in, in life, things aren't going great and you just look and sound and feel terrible. Mm-hmm. But we've kind of built in our brains that Sunday morning, you should look your best. Yeah. Especially like when we were going to, to church and stuff like that, you know, late nineties, early two thousand, that, that was the idea. Everyone went to church, you look great and then you go on with your life. So it was, it was tough to let that mindset go. 
and it really didn't happen until I left ministry. But, but yeah, that that is definitely a major thing with pastors and why there's so much shortfalls and 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 downfalls and things like that because they think they should be perfect at all times and don't have that community or that place where they can be vulnerable and, and honest. Yeah. 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 I don't know. To me, a great leader is always someone who's showing all sides of them. Yep. You know, I think cause I'm also now in the mindset or just kind of just know, like everyone's going through struggles, everyone's having a hard time and, uh, someone who is vul- vulnerable to that and, and willing to express that to me, I'm like, cool, you're, you're a great leader cause you're not afraid to show the, the bad side of things. Cause there are bad side of things. Definitely. A lot of the times. Definitely. So that's nice. I, I fully believe that we're created for relationships. hundred percent. And we're weakest when we're in isolation. So why do you think like a community or a village is so important? For that very reason, like when, when I was going through the deepest, darkest parts of my depression, I, so like my community group, my discipleship group had just ended. Like we had done a year together. Mm-hmm. And so like the guys I was with, they began their own groups. But at that point, cool. like there wasn't a lot of guys to where I could start another group. And so like I was trying to figure out a way to do this for the students and things like that. So there was a a stretch where I was by myself um, and didn't have the community. And so, man, it. The village and the group of people. That. That you truly find that love you for no matter what, they don't judge you based off of downfalls. Mm -hmm. They don't judge you based off of things that. You make a mistake when you're either a teenager or, you know, just out of impulse or something like that. But yeah, so it's, it's super important just because, I mean, look at family dynamics. They, they'd work so much better when there's a nucleus, when there's a group of people. Like my grandparents have done an amazing job of having relationships with my cousins and my aunts and uncles. Like every week or every year in the summer, my grandma would have myself and my 10 other cousins together, all 11 of us for a week. And those times were great because we got to be close. And because of that, I have a village within my own family that helps me, but you can only do so much with family. So that's where it's really important to find people with like-minded values and goals because you encourage each other, you keep each other accountable. Cause like a good friend, doesn't just say the right thing, like say the good things. They say the right things at the right times. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wish I had people that were saying the right things at the times that I needed them, mm. not before or not after. Like there's a lot of people that reached out to me, you know, once I had left ministry and said like, yeah, I was suicidal and they said great things, but dude, that needed that six months ago. Yeah. And sometimes that's on me. Like I didn't, I didn't make it known that I was really struggling and I didn't make it known how, deep into depression I actually was. So yeah, that that was on me to isolate and that's where the isolation made things so much worse because I'm al- I was living by myself. I had no community and so it's just me and my thoughts and that was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I encourage you, you know, if you don't have a group of friends, put yourself out there to try to meet people um just because you know, like you guys, you guys have known each other for so long <laughs> and through y'all's friendship, you're able to do life together. You see each other's families grow. You get to keep each other accountable. Like if you don't make those connections, it's so much harder in life, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
definitely sure. is. I mean, I, I know some people who don't have a community, don't have a group of friends, and they're just kind of lost. Yeah. Grow and go with this group, and then they go with this group, and then they go with this group, and don't really have themselves figured out, which mm-hmm. makes it harder for them as well. And yeah, I think communication obviously is key. Uh, you know, communicating with other people, saying that you need help, yeah. and then them, you know, being there to help you out. Um, I think you, I really like what you said about community doesn't judge you for the mistakes you make. Um, I think what makes a really good community is um, not judging you for those mistakes, but judging on how you bounce back from those mistakes, right? And, yeah. and being there to encourage you to do better or, you know, to help you off the ground and, and keep walking and keep going. And so that that's great. And I think, I think we're all on the same page with community being key and uh, being very important for everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. Brandon, let's go into a little more about like mental health specifically, some tips, maybe some practical ways to identify it, pursue it, attack it kind of deal. But anxiety and depression get thrown around like crazy nowadays. You know what I mean? Like just because you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean you're necessarily dealing with anxiety and depression. Like what are, what's the difference between anxiety and depression? If there is one. Yeah. And like, what are ways you can identify them too in the in their differences? So for me, I didn't really deal with anxiety as much. Okay. Um, maybe not as much until probably after I left ministry. Depression for for me, where where I struggled and where I didn't or got to see kind of depression in my own life was, man, I just lost myself and I felt so alone and I felt that I had no way to escape the darkness. And so, like, a lot of people throw sadness with depression because mm-hmm. they think it's synonymous, and it's not. Like, I wasn't sad. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, ha- I didn't shed tears. I wasn't, like, I had a lot of good things going on in life. Like, I wasn't sad about that. But I was losing who I was. Mm. And I didn't start dealing really with anxiety kind of until after the fact. And okay. for me, like, anxiety and depression are different because, like, Anxiety feels like a moment, right? It feels like you can get past it. If you're deep in depression, you feel like you can't. Mm. You feel like you're stuck. Um, and anxiety, I can feel it. Like I can literally feel like if I'm anxious, if a if a conversations or like, so I don't know if you guys do Enneagrams, but I'm a type nine. Mm. I hate conflict. Yeah, I'm too. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's, I literally get anxious and my whole body hurts and like, hard to breathe. Like you can feel kind of the effects right then and there of anxiety. Yeah. Depression. You do not feel the effects until afterwards. Yeah. And sometimes it's too late and that's the sad reality. Okay. Um, and I, I saw probably months afterwards kind of when I was going through my suicidal thoughts air, like time frame, And, you know, I hadn't even wrote out a note to my family. Like I was ready to be done. I oh, had wow. written a suicide note and all that kind of stuff. And oh, wow. it was real at that point. And I, th- I think when I did that, that's when I realized I wanted to be alive still. Um, I never like attempted or anything like that. But at that point, I was like, okay, I do have things to live for. But it still wasn't easy. Right. But those probably four months prior to writing that note, I felt no emotions. No, like no regards for myself, no regards for my family. Like just was, I was a shell of who I was. And so that, and I didn't see the effects of that until probably the summer after. So almost a whole calendar year after I started dealing with depression that I saw like the side effects, like, 
wow, that really just messed you up on your self-esteem, your, your trust. Like I have my trust, not only in others, but myself is so much worse from my battle with depression and, and suicidal thoughts than way before. Hmm. So that's kind of where I see the difference. Like I can feel anxiety and it passes. Okay. Depression feels like it never is going to pass. It just feels like it's a weight that's just going to sit on you forever. Gotcha. Eventually you do. Yeah. Um, or at least for me, I, I got out of it and I encourage you if you are struggling with depression, it is not weak to find help. It is not weak to ask for help. Hmm. Um, and I guarantee you have at least one person that's willing to fight for you to still be here. Um, I know it's hard. I, I was in that same spot, but it can, it can get better. Sometimes it doesn't, unfortunately, but it can get better. Okay. Hmm, that's good. Thanks for sharing that, Brandon. Um, do you have some other ways to kind of deal with these um, moments like yoga, meditation? Obviously, you're a huge advocate for talking about it with other people yeah. uh, and journaling, but are do you have other practices that you do or yeah. that you would suggest you've seen work with other people that you know are going through the same thing? For me, um, you know, journaling and, and talking are, are two main things, but I think that's kind of general. But man, music. I, I'm not musically talented. I wish I was, um, but I can't play any instruments. I can't sing, but I love music because I love how it can transport you from this place mm. to a different place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's a memory tied into a song. And there's a lot of songs that at the peak... You know, whether it be at camp um, or, you know, in college when I was in, in Florida, a song would trigger a memory. Mm -hmm. So for me, like when I was going, you know, kind of after everything to get past it all, I would listen to music. Like I had a playlist that was just like songs to get me back to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so music was a, a, a major thing. Uh, my faith is, is a major thing as well. Um, I, I've noticed the, the times when I'm distant from God is when... I'm more susceptible to depression or anxiety. Mm. Um, and then just not being alone. And maybe you don't have to be with somebody, but I find when I'm struggling, I just go somewhere, walk around the mall. Um, I've, since I turned 30, I decided I was going to retire from basketball mm. completely. <laughs> Me and a buddy of mine were talking like at 30 is either when you decide like to get back in shape to play or you just quit and play golf. <laughs> so I quit and play golf now. So, <laughs> um, like, I'll just go to the driving range and, and you know, you, you may spend 40 bucks to hit 150 balls. Yeah. But I just, like, I went not too long ago. Um, like, when I found out some, some bad news about my family, I just went with my AirPods, plugged them in, and I was listening to music, and I was playing on a course on the virtual screens or whatever. So nice. finding things that take you back to who you truly are. That's good. Because that deep down we have things that are very unique about us that you know trigger happiness or joy. Don't be afraid to tap back into those things. It's like I love anime and I love Funko Pops. <laughs> I watch a lot of anime and I buy a lot of Funko Pops. It's yeah, bad. We're going to have to talk about this anime. What kind of <laughs> anime are you watching? Oh, dude. I'm not okay. I'm not as well versed. I watch some of the major ones. Like obviously, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z and the Dragon Ball universe. Um, 
And then, you know, I've been watching Attack on Titan, Demon okay, Slayer. Good one, good one. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> yeah. I just started One Piece. I'm like 150 episodes in. And I, I, oh, yeah, One Piece. I'm, I'm like giving a up on that. Episodes. There's a thousand or some of them. I did find a filler guide. So, like, I've skipped a bunch. Oh, okay, smart. So, that, that smart. helps. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, just things that bring me back to my joys and passions that I hid because, out of fear of what people thought of me. Mm. So, that's one of the been one of the greatest things that has come out of my depression is I know who I am now. I'm not afraid of it, of who I am. And I don't care what people think hmm. they can like it. They can not like it. They can associate with me. They can not, they can be my friend, not be my friend, whatever it is. I don't care at this point because life is too short to worry about the opinions of people that you don't ever talk to. Hmm. And that's where social media is great, but also bad because we yeah. worry about, what people think about online. Like I, I have TikTok. I make TikToks just about my dating life, which is terrible. <laughs> and I don't care. Like I had a video do kind of not go viral, but had like a bunch of comments and like, you're just doing this for attention. I'm like, no, it's my safe space to get out. But just, fi just finding the things <clears throat> just finding the things that bring you back to who you are mm -hmm. and embracing them out of no fear or judgment of anyone else. Because as long as you are happy, and as long as you are bringing joy to your life, that's all that matters. That's good. Nice. Thank yeah. You. I think uh, people, <coughs> people, you know, when you bring up anime, they're like, oh, you're just an adult who's watching cartoons. But like, it's the, not. The stories and the plots in these shows. <laughs> they're better than half shows, the shows on TV. Oh, so much better. I mean, they talk about. Stop you know, it. Y'all just stop. <laughs> I, did, I did see uh, someone make a meme today. It was like Grey's Anatomy renewed for 20th season. And someone's like, this is the white woman's version of One Piece. <laughs> I mean, That's great and you know so true, like, too. I have no problems if you watch reality TV shows. Some of them are pretty funny. But like, if that's what you like, it's what you like. Right, and if yeah. I like animes where dudes are shooting beams out of their hands at each other, <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, and so, it. and like, same thing with like Funko Pops. Like, people think it's weird that you collect these little figures. I think they're awesome. I've spent way too much money on them. Those like, are things with the big heads, right? Yeah. I've, yeah. I have like three of those. Yeah. Those oh, are I have like 200. <laughs> oh, my, awesome. my whole room is just full. You of just like, got a whole wall. Full oh, of dude. Like anime, I have like Dragon Ball Z, Office, like all of them. Oh, they make nice. everything. Yeah. But yeah, like once I just finally said, you know what? I don't care anymore about the perception of others. I started truly falling back in love with myself and yeah. loving life again. Yeah. Love I, that. I think that's the, uh, the level that once you unlock that you realize it and you're like okay yes. i'm just gonna live my life mm -hmm. i don't want to live it moment you stop and it's always everything just like everything in life it's always easier said than done definitely but once you do get that done and you unlock that and you're just like i'm just gonna do me uh that's when you start living life and you start having fun and connecting with other people and are more open and uh, to things and so, yeah, once you unlock that, it's just a whole different world. For and sure. I think it's also once you do unlock it, it's harder to go back. Like, yeah, you have your moments where you worry about people, but not like anxiety filled or, mm -hmm. or you know, I'm sleep waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, man, did they like me? Mm -hmm. No, it's OK. So like you, you fall back into it a little bit, but not not as easy. So like once you unlock it, it's it just opens your eyes up back to life again. Yeah, because it's like that childlike faith or childlike wonder. You're a kid, man. You love everything. You don't care. Like, <laughs> right. you have mismatching clothes. Like, you don't care about anything other than what's happening right then and there. And I think we've gotten too, looking too far ahead and worried about the future. 
and too worried about what we did in the past mm. to live in the moment and enjoy things that we're going through right now. Yeah. Good word. Yeah. Write that down and put it in a Hallmark card. I like it, <laughs> <laughs> I like it man. Um, looking on the outside in, how, what are some ways or tips or ideas to consider when walking with someone dealing with it? Okay. So I never considered that until like I told my family and the main thing I will say is the feelings and emotions of your family members are valid. Cause like if you're going through something and like one of the hardest things that I had to deal with was tell my parents that I was suicidal. Hmm. And so like I told my dad and my stepmom, and then I told my stepdad and my mom. And when I told them that I had written this note and I was, you know, didn't want to live anymore and, and all that kind of stuff, immediately, like your parents have this like shell shock look. And mm -hmm. my mom is immediately crying and like, just please don't hurt yourself. Like, you know, and, and at that moment, I didn't really register what that did to them. Mm. And their feelings and their emotions and even their worriedness about you is valid because undoubtedly since then, my family will check up on me maybe, maybe too much, which is not a bad thing. Like I would rather you check up, check up on me more than not enough. Mm -hmm. So like if you're, if you're going through life with someone who has been dealing with depression or you're someone who has been depressed in the past and you have family that's walking life with you, just understand that emotions and feelings are okay and that they're valid and that we don't have all the answers. So their form of helping may look different than what you may need at that moment, but it's out of a pure heart. And I think that can be misconstrued sometimes that we just think people are being overbearing or that they're just worrying too much, but they're trying to figure it out just like you. They, they don't know what you're feeling. They don't understand what you're going through. My family surely didn't. But they understood that I wasn't me and they wanted me to become me again. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to do anything they could. So that's just the main thing. Understanding that your family and your friends have the right to feel a certain way and even maybe act differently after all of that. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's got to be uh, hard um, for family, of course, because, you know, especially with your parents. Yeah. You know, they're the ones that brought you into this life. They're yeah. the ones that taking care of you. So they automatically think, what did I do wrong? Exactly. And so I think that's something that anyone who, you know, has the strength like you did to, to tell people about it, to realize like, hey, the, it's going to come at me a lot more now because people know, especially close people, like mm -hmm. my parents know, and they're going to try everything they can. And I think that's where the communication again is key of like, I thank you and appreciate you wanting yes. to help, but like... This is how I kind of want to be helped. You know, maybe check up on me every week. Yep. Uh, it doesn't need to be three times a day or anything like that. So, yeah. And then, um, you know, just making sure to like, you need reassurance as the person, but you also should reassure those in your life. Mm. Cause like you said, it's, it's very easy for someone to just automatically assume they did something wrong. Like myself with that coach, I assumed I did something wrong instead of realizing, no, I was just being hurt by someone who probably else was hurting. And so it, with your family, it may be 
a long thing or a, a tiresome thing for you to do, but check in on them and mm. just reassure them like, hey, I love you. You didn't do anything wrong. This is maybe how, like you said, I need help at this stage. And that changes like as you're going through it and as you're healing, as you're you're going back to yourself, the ways that you need reassurance or ways that you need help change. That's great. That's a great uh, tip for everyone. Yeah. On both ends. Um, sorry, yeah. I lost my train of thought. You're you good. Go Speaking of like tips and things to walk out when dealing with something like this, you mentioned counseling was crucial yep. to your walk. What are practical ways you can pursue that, whether it be a therapist or a counselor? Like, how do you even jump into something like that? Man, I didn't realize I needed help until my self-remedies didn't work anymore. Mm. So like, naturally we have things that we know make us feel better or get us out of places where we feel lost. And when those things stopped working, I realized this is, this is deeper. This is way more than just, you know, watching a TV show that brings you back joy mm -hmm. or, you know, your comfort show as many of us have, like the office is mine. Like I just throw it on and I feel better <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> when that doesn't work anymore. That's when I realize, okay, this is a lot deeper and maybe more crucial than I realize. And so if like, for me, I, I recognize that probably about mid July of 2019 and you know, I was still really worried about perception and what people thought and just like my counseling, that just seems like you're giving up. Like mm -hmm. if you, there's a bad preconceived notion of counseling and we think if you just go to a counselor or a therapist, mm -hmm. then you have really bad issues, but it's not like that at all. Um, so like, yeah, like mid, mid July of 2019 at, at, at that time I was interviewing with other churches at that time to kind of leave my current church and I had just gotten turned down from a place. Um, I had gone through like four stages of interview process, like me and one other guy and they chose the other guy. And so then like some other things happen and that's when I realized like my self remedies weren't working. I need some professional help. And so I just went on Google, like counselors nearby. Hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> just um, straight up. Okay. And dude, and one thing I did not realize until I started was it ain't cheap. Yeah, <laughs> it is not cheap and it sucks because like I don't have insurance. I didn't have insurance at the time So like if you don't have insurance that covers that type of stuff like you're out of pocket So luckily I found a place in Arlington at a church that they had an, a guy who was going through his programs so, like he was Able to be a counselor, but he didn't he wasn't able to have his own practice. Mm -hmm. So he was cheaper Okay, yeah, <laughs> so like the other people were like $120 a session. He was 60 I'm like, nice. You're my guy. <laughs> so I, I just emailed them and like, hey, like, what does this look like? And they sent me the information. And at that point, I still was uncertain if I wanted to do it. And I finally was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to jump into it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give myself two weeks or two sessions. Um, and I, I did one. And I literally could have gone for four hours. Hmm. I'm just sitting there bawling opening up about things and he's like, so what was your schedule look like? Like, well, I was going to do this twice, but I think I need to come back to you more often. <laughs> so I literally went a, every week for four months. And, but like, if you're, if you're seeking help or you're wanting help for me, it was just a Google search. Hmm. And I, 
I think it's gotten better now because people are more aware. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it's become more affordable. Yeah. Because like for me, I, I was spending $240 a month. Mm-hmm. To, that was cheaper end. Yeah, that's yeah. the cheapest. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it was 240 a month or my life. And right, yeah. I'll it's spend, no dollar two, I'll yeah, spend yeah. 240 a yeah. month right. easily to, to yeah. live. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where I, I just hope that it's advanced way more. Um and I, I and I I know that they have like Zoom calls and stuff like that. That's not the same. I think mm. you know, getting in a place that you can be accountable that you have to go. Mm. A Zoom call you can cancel at any point. Yeah. Um and like with my counselor, he had a deposit. So like if I didn't come, if I didn't give him a day's notice, he kept the kept the money, which is I understand, it's a business. Um so yeah, like if you if you're just on the fence, for me, it was just a quick Google search. And then I think since then, I've I've been an advocate and I've told like plenty of people like, hey, you, like I've told friends that were on staff at church, like you need a line item in your budget for counseling for your staff. Hmm. Um, whether they're going through something or not, make it accessible. And um, one of the churches I visited not too long ago, they actually have counselors that work for the church. And anyone can go to them. Oh, nice. I think it's free of charge or, or very minimal amount yeah. of uh, money to go there. So yeah, it's just a quick Google search, and that's kind of how it all happened. Nice, nice. Okay. That's what I was going to mention was the pricing because I know that it can get pretty expensive. And of course, there's a lot of people out here who don't have the funds for something like that. Um, yeah. Have you ever tried any of the apps? I know you just said you weren't a fan of the Zoom calls, but like BetterHelp is one. I think there's. Another one that I can't remember that's pretty popular. I haven't done any of the apps. Like I haven't been back to my counselor in a while. Um, but I at that time, like when I was going, I don't think any of the apps were like either they weren't very big or not a people had a lot of people have used them before. Um, I did try like some of the self help apps or whatever that you know had like meditation or like words of affirmation daily mm-hmm. that helped you. Those were okay, but the problem is like with any smart app you can turn it off or you can delete it or you can snooze your reminders or mm-hmm. things like that that's where i just think like in person is so valuable because you're committing to getting out of your house driving to the place meeting mm-hmm. with someone in you know making it a routinely thing but yeah i haven't done a lot of research on other online things um it's actually one of the things i've been wanting to do more because i understand like it's not cheap to go to counseling and or maybe there's not like counseling center near you like if you live in a rural area Mm -hmm. the likelihood of you finding a place isn't very high like we're blessed in the dfw there's counseling centers everywhere therapists everywhere Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely one of the things i want to research a little bit more to kind of help people like hey this is a, a valuable thing like test them out and see you know what works and what doesn't work yeah, I think it also just depends on uh, yourself. Like, if you're yeah. someone who really just needs someone to tell you, you know, you're great and stuff like that, the apps are probably a good yeah. thing for you to do. You don't have to spend money on a counselor or therapist. Um, but if you're someone who's really always falling into these stages of depression or anxiety or something like that, then maybe you should, you know, skip Starbucks coffee a couple couple days a week and <laughs> yeah. save that money for yeah, a counselor right. of some sort. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I just wanted to know if you had worked on any of those or knew someone who worked with any of the apps or stuff like that. No, but I, de- I definitely, like I said, I definitely want to research a little bit more because 
I actually had an episode on my podcast of why count. Like, it's titled "Why Counseling," and mm-hmm. I kind of go through the whole thing of, you know, why I find it valuable, why I did it, and so I want to have like a kind of follow up of, okay, what did I, you know, two years removed learn from it, but also what are some things that are have evolved in you know the three years since then mm-hmm. that has made counseling easier for the everyday person. And speaking of your podcast, let's dive into into yeah. some of that stuff. So how'd you start it and why'd you start it? And, you know, kind of like what your goal is for the podcast. Yeah. So a friend of mine, she had a podcast and she invited me on to kind of talk about mental health. Um, and this was, I think, f- August of 2020. So like right after things started opening back up mm-hmm. and, you know, um, all that. So she had me on and I kind of told my story. And it was at that point, I was like, okay if not for anyone else, but just for me, it's nice to get things out. And, you know, I was a pastor, so I would go back and kind of watch my old sermons when I was preaching. Um, and it was the same thing with listening to my, my own podcast. It's like, okay, I may need this later on down the road if I'm going through something to remind myself. So I started it January of 2021. Um, I did a handful of episodes. I've fallen off and, you know, life happens type of thing. But my, my major goal of the whole podcast was mainly just to be encouragement to anyone that's going through the same walk that I did. Um, and I literally said, like, I don't care to be big. Like, I'm not trying to make money off of this or anything like that. Like, I truly, not only for myself, but those who have been in those places to encourage them, like, it does get better. You can get through it. Life doesn't end in depression. So that was the main goal behind all of it was just, you know, being encouragement in any way, shape that I can. Um, and it's been nice because like a lot of my friends, I'll, they didn't, they didn't know that I went through that because we had fallen off and didn't keep in touch as well. And since then, a lot of them have been more open and honest about like their own hmm. um, soul wounds and things like that, that they dealt with and you know, it's been, it's been great to see a lot of my friends be more open and honest about stuff that we all went through as kids and, and young adults and stuff like that. So that was the main goal and still is my goal with the podcast, just to be an encouragement to anyone that stumbles upon, Yeah, you know, this little, little project. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even in a small start, you had some success because you was already speaking to people, right? Yeah. And it was making people act on it. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Do you want to touch anything else, Martin? Or are we good? I think we're good. Is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't really talked about yet? Man, I just I just want to give an encouragement to anyone that's going through life that is hard. Um, like I was talking with with you guys before we started. Um, you know, I've gotten some news about family that sucks, and at times life really does suck, and it's not fair. But it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to let your feelings out it's okay to show your emotions we're past the days of hiding things we're past the days of keeping things bottled in it's it's we've seen generations of it not working Mm -hmm. we've seen the damage that it's happened to our parents our grandparents our siblings our friends whatever it may may be so just be honest with yourself be okay to be vulnerable be okay to let some tears fall. I don't cry very often, but when I do, I just let it go because life's too short to worry about other people, 
worry about things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through it, it can get better. I promise you. Uh, just be willing and be open to the help of those around you. Good. Awesome. Man, can people thanks. reach out to you if they need to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <clears throat> my podcast is called Wandering in the Wilderness. And so yes. I have to look it up because I haven't posted in a while. But <laughs> if you go on Instagram, it's Wandering in the Wilderness Pod. Um, and so I'm actually trying to get things geared back up to start that again. And then I also do a little bit of design work here and there. One of the things I learned in ministry was you get a lot of hats and (laughs) I hated our graphics at our church. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to start this up quick. I'm just going to start doing it myself. And so, um, I like right around the same time I started a little design project. Um, not very creative. It's called BH designs. Um, I'm actually looking to rebrand and kind of build a new website to house all of this together in one place. Um, so hopefully in, in the next couple of months, I'll have that kind of figured out and fleshed out. But yeah, if you just want encouragement, you can check out the podcast or if you need any simple design work, you yeah. can hit me up at, I think it's, yeah, Brandon Hadley underscore designs on Instagram as well. So, but yeah, I thank you guys for letting me come and talk with you. And Absolutely. I just, again, I hope this is encouragement to anyone that is just feeling lost in this world. Yeah, same here, man. Well, again, thanks, thanks, man, and maybe we'll hit you up about some graphic design work. Maybe we can definitely get some doing with the podcast. Yeah, you know, get something creative with the Pegasus going or something. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Put us riding on it or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have some beams come out of your hands yeah. you know, for, for anime references. Make, make me look like Naruto or something. <laughs> that would be tough, but I, I might be able to do it. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, thanks again, man, and uh, we'll be sure and promote anything you got going on, even yeah. with the podcast. Um, with it getting booted back up we'll we'll share all this info on our socials when we post the podcast so yeah we'll plug and promote everything you're doing and I appreciate it we appreciate everything you're talking about and, and um, want to force into everybody else dealing with this because we think it's important we think it needs to be talked about so definitely thanks again yeah, for taking the definitely. time with us thanks it's been a good one it's been a fun one and uh, take care brother you guys as well